This is not a Christmas message. Uh, not even close. <laughs> In Acts chapter 15, last week, we had looked at um, how the church as a whole dealt with a disagreement. You remember um, there was a group they sent um, representatives to the apostolic leaders and to the, the church of Jerusalem where all the central teaching had come out of. So they sought out leadership, but also then in that review, they went through what has the Holy Spirit been doing amongst us? You know, what, what has he been blessing, so to speak? There's that evaluation. And then finally, James had stood up and said, uh, this is the biblical basis, you know, and, and he draws out the prophets saying that the Gentiles were going to respond, and it was prophesied through David and, and others that, you know, this, this was going to happen. So those three facets of their decision-making came out. And, but this disagreement uh, was something that intrigued me. But the last part of that chapter has a significant disagreement as well. And so I want to get into that just a bit today because this was more on a personal level and reading between the lines, you're kind of going, ooh, that's a little bit messy. Uh, in fact, let's just jump into the scripture. Acts 15, 36, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the churches that we had planted and, and you know, that we had started and, and, and they're going, yeah, let's do that. And it says, Barnabas wanted to take along John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. The first time that they had done a missions trip, apparently John Mark had been along with him, but then he, he took off. And Paul's going, I know this guy. No. And Barnabas going, oh, he's got a lot of potential. I'm reading between the lines, obviously. But here. It says, they had such sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul took Silas and left. And then they dropped the issue. I'm going, no, they need to, who was right, who was wrong? That's generally the way I function. I want truth. I'm the bean counter in our family. <laughs> Just the facts and the truth. You know, they will. It, uh, it disturbs me when things are left. They went different directions. How are you going to settle this thing? I, I, I've come to appreciate this. Because there are times when things just don't settle, so to speak, right? What I want to show you is that the two main proponents in this, Paul and Barnabas, are both men of incredible ability and gifting and used by God powerfully, both of them. Different temperaments. And they didn't necessarily feel an obligation to see eye to eye on this thing. And that, I, I wrestled through that because 
There are times when we, we have disagreement with others. And in some ways, some of us just want to fight until it's over. And that's not always God's pattern. In fact, in this particular situation, you could look at it and say, well, God essentially got the glory of this anyway. He's, there's missionaries going out in two directions instead of one. And so maybe in the grand scheme of things, things went even better than what had been anticipated. So did God let that happen? Did he make it happen? I have no clue. I just know that the end result is something that two guys went different directions, but God was honored through both things. Let's look a little bit at the callings of each, and then I'd like to point out a couple things beyond that. Two, they had, these were men with different callings and different gifts and different temperaments. Remember, now we know the most about Paul generally because he's written so many books, but in his initial call, remember what Ananias has told about him? He says, I'm going to show him how much this man needs to suffer. So he has come out of being the person who causes suffering, accepts Christ, and then becomes one who suffers for the sake of the gospel. And so for him, he, he knows what's up. He knows what's ahead for his life. He knows the direction of it. And he knows he's going to take his lumps in the meantime. And so as he's, as he's walking through life, he knows, yeah, we encounter things that are bad. That's just part of the calling. And so, you know, even a few chapters later, you're going to see him and Silas sitting in a jail at midnight, singing songs even after they've been beaten and are sitting in in stocks. And then a powerful earthquake, and and God works a tremendous thing through them. But, you know, that's his call. So when, when somebody comes alongside and ditches when there's trouble, well, they don't have the call, so to speak. Let's look at the other side with Barnabas. The first thing we see of him in is Acts chapter 4, and his name means son of encouragement, and there's an attachment of an encouragement to his life. You can do this. Let's try it again. That kind of thing. But also we're note, we need to note that he was a, a generous man because the first declaration of his, is of him selling a field and bringing the proceeds, giving it to the apostles to distribute to others. So that's, that's our introduction to this man. But it goes on. When, when Paul got saved, his name was Saul first, but when he got saved and he's in Damascus and people are wondering, what do we do with this guy? Who goes and seeks him out and brings him to Jerusalem and makes introduction? It's Barnabas. He sees the potential, he sees, and he says, we gotta, we got to get this guy involved. Later on, there's a, 
a sovereign work of God in the city of Antioch, and, and they're needing some guidance and leadership, who does the church send? They send Barnabas. So he, he is known as a leader, right? Has a, a profound gifting. Later on, in that same setting, it says that Barnabas went to Tarsus and brings Paul back to work with him. So Paul has kind of gone off into another area, and he's been isolated, so to speak. Who goes and seeks him out to draw him back into ministry? It's Barnabas. There's a listing. You know, they, they had gone and done a missions trip, and then there's a listing of the leaders at Antioch, prophets and teachers, It says, Barnabas is the first one listed. Acts chapter 13, there was uh, the declaration made that the Holy Spirit says, separate Paul and Barnabas, let them take a missions trip. And they, and they do that, reaching out. Somewhere during that trip, it appears that Paul became the leader of the two. And even we see a glimpse of that when, when uh, a man is healed and, and people are saying, oh, it's the Greek gods, you know, it's all messed up. But they say... There's a, a little statement made that, you know, it's like Barnabas is the leader, but Paul, he's the main speaker. You know, you start to get a glimpse of, of how this thing is functioning. And as they go back, they appoint elders over each town, so they have a, a leadership, you know, that Paul and Barnabas both that is over churches. In 1 Corinthians... Paul makes a comment about him and Barnabas, and he says, you know, what, are we the only ones that don't get to work or have to work? He, they're living bivocational, which is intriguing to me because Barnabas has already given up his inheritance with that land. He's working another job so he can continue in ministry. But it just it shows part of the stamp on his life. When Paul needed to be brought back to Jerusalem, who introduces him again? Barnabas. Now there is a there is a, a fail moment mentioned in Barnabas's life. To be fair, in Galatians, when Paul's saying, "I challenged Peter to his face," because he started to slip back and live in Jewish lifestyle, and here we are dealing with Gentiles, and he says, even Barnabas got caught up in such things. Barnabas, kind of the peacekeeper, Barnabas, the encourager, Barnabas, the raising everyone up. But that said, Barnabas takes Mark, who had failed earlier. And I'm going to transition into Mark's role. So we get all three pictures of these guys, these guys involved. But I want you to note that John Mark, for his early failure, still makes good in the end. Okay? And so there are, there are a couple things just to be aware of, is that some of our own failures may be, you know, in our eyes, like game changers and end of the day. But how you deal with it has a huge impact on whether you keep going. And in this case, we'll see out of this story that this is a guy who's right, who makes good in the end. 
So you're left going, well, who was right? Paul or Barnabas? Again, it doesn't say. If anything, the, the closest assignment is Paul having the blessing of the church as he goes out. But Okay, I'm getting ahead. We find out that Mark is a cousin of Barnabas. Oh, the family tie, interesting. Maybe that's why. No, well, he at least would have had a, a sincere interest in this man, even if it was just family, right? But also, it says... Uh, when Peter, you remember in Acts 12, uh, he had been in jail, they're praying, and he's released. He goes to uh, the house of Mark's mother. And uh, that, so there's a, there is a connection to the early church that is powerful, you know, that this family is heavily involved. And you've got... John Mark, that's the introduction of him, saying, okay, this is where he was at. But uh, that said, so John Mark, who has the family ties and the connections, goes on this missions trip and apparently bails. And you're kind of going, oh, yeah, well, you know, family wasn't enough, was it? Or you're going, yeah, young, he's a young guy, he just, you know, didn't realize the price or how intense this would get. You can say whatever you want, but the end of the story is pretty interesting. Because Paul, at, in 2 Timothy, goes, Luke's with me, only Luke. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me. Wait a minute, Paul's saying that? You mean Mark has become useful now? Maybe he has proven himself enough that Paul's gone, I really need this guy. Let's take it a bit further. In both Colossians and Philemon, known as the prison epistles, Paul makes a comment, uh, I want to send you greetings from any list people, and he lists Mark as well. So Paul's sitting in prison, but who's there assisting him? Paul's in hardship. Who's participating and encouraging him? Well, it's Mark. So even though there was that early failure, and even though he had let Paul down, Paul's come to the point of saying, this guy really is valuable to me. This guy's important to us. Here's... <laughs> One last verse of, of a similar thing. In Peter's epistle, he calls him his son, Mark. He's, this guy's like my son. When we read the book of Mark, most commentators will say you're reading Peter's stories written down by Mark. Well, we'd say that's pretty valuable, right? Worthwhile. One of the Gospels. So you, you look at that, and, and I start walking through this, and I'm going, people in church, believers, sometimes get into disagreement, and what are you going to do with that? 
Where's it supposed to go? All of us crave for resolution and fixing. Sometimes it doesn't happen in our timetable. Now, relationally, you'd have to say, these guys all were friends in the end. But, you know, in the moment, it wasn't working. Going to go there. We're empty nesters now. Um, we get along much of the time. We have some amazing disagreements, too. Part of it is just we tend to view life differently. I'll give you a for instance. If we decide we're going to go do something, sometimes for me, that's kind of like the umbrella thing of the trip is, how long is this going to take? An hour? Yeah, an hour. And in communication, it doesn't always equal. Because hours may be the main thing, and then there might be the the bank trip, the library trip, the gas station. That's, those are details, but those are, you know, I'm looking our everything, and she might be looking our main deal. How many know that that doesn't necessarily equal unity? <laughs> and as you sort that out, you know, you have this, opportunity of just chewing on each other and, and never truly reaching reconciliation, or at some point dropping the matter and moving on. And in Christ, you know, there is something, uh, there is a beauty of truth that we hold, and we know that there is one way through Christ but as humans, we don't always pull it together quite that well, do we? When I look at this biblical passage, I'm going, Paul had a really good point. Why take people that have failed you? Barnabas had a really good point. This guy has a lot of potential. We'd be foolish to not keep investing. In that regard, both were right. And there are times when, because we have limited understanding and insight, maybe we don't necessarily see the whole picture as God sees it. And we have to be willing to set things on the shelf for a while and say, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out. I'm not quite sure why they see it that way. You know, at very minimum, for us, in hindsight, we can say, these guys had different gifts, different abilities, different perceptions coming out of that, completely appropriate within the kingdom of God, but fully different insights and views. 
That's like when somebody asks me, why do you think God did that? And they want a single reason. I'm going, there's probably a dozen that I can come up with, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. He has an incredible intelligence, and so he's got all things going on, and it's like he has many reasons. We're happy if we find one or two. I want to read just a few Proverbs in closing. Proverbs is a, a go-to book for me. It's, it's kind of like the Lord's Prayer for praying. I use that as a form, and I've mentioned that many times. Proverbs, if I'm having trouble figuring out where should I go or what, I'll just I dig into Proverbs. And it seems like there's always something there. But I'll, I'll read you some verses that have disturbed me for years. Help make you un, uneasy as well. <laughs> share, the, share the trouble. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. For us truth seekers and truth wanders, what do you mean cover over? That just sounds wrong. I need to know. And in reality, with limited understanding, there are some things you just don't know. And in this particular proverb, he's saying, if you want to foster love, if you want to really do what's essential relationally, there are times you're going to let it go. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Same chapter. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute brings out, or comes up. Wait a minute. <laughs> In my selfish heart, why would I let that go? I got you. You did wrong. And I need to let you know. How many times do we need to actually be informed that we've done wrong or we're just not sure how to get out of the wrong that we've done or change the way we're doing things? I mean, how often does somebody come up and say, you could have done that better? You're going, you're telling me? I know, I just don't know how to do it better. That's not perfect. You're right. I have to live with it. You know, those, those challenges come up with us, right? And there are times when, you know, a Paul temperament's going, Straighten us out, and, and in some measure, completely appropriate. And there's other times when it's the Barnabas that's needed saying, yeah, you, you messed up, but there's still a lot of potential in this life, and you need to get back up and get going. But it takes the wisdom of God to discern which is needed in the moment, right? 
person's wisdom yields patience. How do you exert patience except there's some uneasiness or complication going on that you are letting exist that way without running over it, right? I mean, if one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience, and you're saying it's a gift of God, it's, a, it's, it's from the Spirit to be patient, that, that suggests that you're allowing tension to continue. And you're fine with that. God help us. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And he's he's putting a stamp of righteousness on letting something go. (laughs) See what I mean? Proverbs messes you up. And yet there's a beauty to embracing what God has. And a health that creeps into our lives as we actually do it. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you that to to drop something is going to mean that immediately the other person is going to say, oh, I was so wrong, I wish, you know, I'm so sorry. You may never get that. Doesn't mean that what you did wasn't right. But in the Lord, you have to evaluate this and say, what are you desiring of me? And, and what would you have me confront? And what would you have me let go? And he's willing to speak to our hearts if we'll let him. So like I say, an amazing chapter. I, uh, you know, who'd have thunk? You, you, for me, when I, when I encounter things in the Bible that, you know, that are left like, uneasy, why would they write that? You know, why not just skip it? Except it didn't bother them, and they found a value in it. And in some ways, it lets us know that even in our own lives, there's opportunity for God to speak in all situations. Thank you for your word that speaks life to us. Help us to embrace it with all our hearts. Amen. To the year, as I was preparing for this, um, and I'm looking at the topic, and I'm going, there are going to be some things that I'm unaware of going on in your lives that uh, God would want to speak to, and so I would encourage you that it may be that He's saying, "Yeah, you've you have been a person that loves truth." And it is important, but I also need you to be an encourager. And I need you to let go of some things and just see the overall picture that can bring up another life. Or it may be that you are used to keeping peace and making everything nice with everyone. And God's saying, I need you to speak truth in this moment. I need you to declare this. And you're going, oh, but that's, you know, that's too much tension. And well... Let's, let's ask God for his ability to do what he wants through our lives. 
and embrace that if he calls us to a deed like that, there is good fruit to come out of it. And if you're needing prayer in a particular way that just for courage to do whatever, then we'd love to pray with you in that as well. But just ask for God's blessing now. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk by your spirit, to know your hand of guidance on life, and to see you work through their relationships, both in measures of truth and encouragement. I pray as they go out into the community, particularly during this Christmas season, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I said you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with a supernatural, I ask. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.